Hey, what's going on, Giants fans? Welcome to the latest episode of our Talk is Cheap podcast from NJ Advanced Media, the Star Ledger, NJ.com. Daryl Slater here with you, Bob Brookover, joining us. And it is Tuesday, March the 21st uh, in the morning now here. And free agency is more than a week old because it really it started with the opening of the negotiating window. Obviously, a lot of stuff got done last Monday and Tuesday in advance of the uh, official start of free agency on Wednesday. So we're just going to take a look here at where the Giants are at. We previewed free agency before this and talked about their areas of need. Obviously, the Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley stuff was sorted out by then, um, but they did quite a bit more. And so we'll do, we'll go through it. Um, Bob, how you doing? Hey, Daryl, how are you? We're, we're almost right. through the free agency stage, and we're, soon we'll be looking at the draft. But there's this, there's still some free agents lingering out there. Sure, Odell Beckham being the big one, and it sounds like um, probably more on the Jets' radar than the Giants' radar at this point, even though the Giants, as we'll get to, did not really make any big splash additions to their receiver room. As far as the draft, that, you know, April 27th coming up in a little more than a month here from now, but uh, Giants, obviously, as everyone knew would be the case, are still going to have roster holes leading into the draft. They were never going to be able to address everything. Um but let's talk about what they did do um, and just kind of go through the big moves here. Obviously, the trade for Darren Waller, a third-round pick to the Raiders, that being uh, the pick that they got from the Chiefs in the Kadarius-Tony trade. And so they reworked Darren Waller's contract to free up some much-needed cap room. We won't we don't have to get into all the details and nuts and bolts, but essentially it goes from being a one-year commitment to Darren Waller to a two-year commitment, uh, which makes sense because you're trading a third-round pick anyway. Um so they're really hoping he can help their passing game. Do you, do you think he can? If he's healthy, sure. He's If he's healthy, he's a great player. He's a great, you know, one of the elite tight ends um, in the NFL. I mean, he's, he's, you know, might not be Travis Kelsey, but, or, or George Kittle, but he's definitely on the, when healthy on the brink of that tier of player. And there's not many guys you can say that about. So, yeah, I mean it's 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 all about him him being healthy. That's not a guarantee. He hasn't been the last two years as healthy as he was in the past. But if you go back and look at the games he was able to play um, when he was on the field, even in the last two years, he was still an effective player. So I mean that's um, you know that's a good good sign for the Giants. I think if you if you just say hey, as long as he's playing, he's good and. So that's the key now. Okay. And, you know, I, the, the one thing that would concern me is that the thing that bothered him last year was a hamstring. And sometimes they just don't go away. Um, you know, Kadarius Tony is a great example. He couldn't get on the field because of that hamstring last year until he went to the Chiefs. Um, but, you know, he was back on the field at the end of last season. Uh, and he, here was his last four games, three, three catches, 48 yards and a touchdown, four catches, 58 yards. Three catches, seventy-two yards, and a touchdown. Two catches, thirty-five yards. So, um, you know, for those four games, he was Darren Waller. The Giants got to hope that's the same case next year. Yeah, in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, those were his breakout years with the Raiders. He had eleven forty-five and eleven ninety-six yards. Um, played basically, but he did play a full season, sixteen and sixteen games, right? Because they didn't go to seventeen until twenty twenty-one, right? And so. Um, then the last two years, 11 and nine games. So he played 20 of 34 total games the past two years, which, you know, and his production was, even if you look at it in yards per game, 
60 and 43 the last two years down from 71 and 74 the previous two. So like you said, he's got to stay healthy. He's getting up there a little bit in age. Well, he'll be 31 in the middle of September, essentially when the season starts. Um, But I think this is a move the Giants had to make. And the commitment really, if you look at it, is about two years and $24 million now with they're locked into him for uh, essentially um, the, other, the other thing that's encouraging to me, you know, I talked to Mike Mack and, and John Gruden. Uh, obviously, they, you know, they found that they, they took him off the practice squad in, in Baltimore. Well, Gruden did. Mack wasn't there yet. But obviously, he played for them and played great for them. Uh, but if you talk to both those guys, you know, they just love the character and the work ethic. Um, so those are good signs, too, that, you know, that this is – this is a real good character guy with an incredible story. Uh, you know, overdosed, uh, was on the practice squad. A forgotten, you know, pretty much a forgotten person. He was a sixth round pick, um, you know, picked himself up, you know, realized that after the overdose that, you know, he needed to, um, get his life together, went to a rehab, did started working at a vegetable type grocery store. Uh, it's a great story. Um, so, you know, when you have somebody like that, obviously it's it's somebody you, you say, hey, hope hope the success comes back. Yeah, a fantastic story um, with what he's able to do in terms of not just salvaging his career, but turning uh, a career that, again, he was a six-round pick, uh, and he became a pro bowler who made quite a bit of money and had a couple really good years there. And let's see if he can rediscover it. But, um, you know, even if you take out the, the substance abuse issues he had, you know, he's certainly exceeded expectations as a, as a six round pick. And uh, the giants are hoping that um, with this two-year commitment they made to him really, and they made a two-year commitment to Daniel Jones too, that they can get over the hump, get deeper in the playoffs and um, you know, just improve this passing game, make it a little more explosive. And they do have Daniel Bellinger who flashed at times last year, but you know, look, he was a fourth round pick. It's not like he lit it up. Um, You need to have more than uh, you know, one tight end obviously. And they needed more dynamic play there and really Waller is essentially a receiver. You know, he's, he's a prolific, he can be a prolific receiving tight end. And so that's where maybe Joe Shane looks at it and he talked about, Oh, we don't need to add a number one receiver. Like, okay, okay. You know, but you need to have someone who develops into your most reliable pass catcher and puts up good numbers. Right. I mean, and, 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 and it can, Waller is, can is that Super Bowl champion chiefs pro- proved yep. it doesn't have to be a wide receiver. Uh, yep. you know, Gruden was funny because he's, his, his great quote was, I call them jokers because they go good with any hand. You can use three of spades, three of diamonds, queen of hearts. It doesn't matter. Uh, when you got a joker, you can use them with any hand. <laughs> That's a great line <laughs> from a guy who's delivered plenty of good lines and plenty of ill-advised lines over his career. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's you know it's really too bad. But you know, as an aside, John Gruden is pretty damn funny, and obviously he's with his own dumb things that he did. He's forced himself out of the just the the discourse forever in the NFL. Uh, so we won't get to really hear much of, his, of those kind of great lines again, presumably. But um, but that is a really good line and, and and some good insight there. People should check out your story that you did talking to Mike Mayock and John Gruden about Darren Waller. Um, and I. I guess that kind of leads us into the receiver situation. I wrote a little something about it for today. So, like, here, here's what they've done at receiver. We know Kenny Galladay is gone. We know Kadarius Tony was traded. Um, we know Richie James, who when, when ended the year as their slot receiver, is still a free agent. He's really more of a special teams guy anyway. So, 
here's here's the 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 broad view of the Giants receiver room right now. They re-signed Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard, uh, modest contracts, which essentially amount to one year. Um, they signed Paris Campbell, uh, one year deal. Another guy who's had injury issues, flashed a little bit last year. They signed Jeff Smith from the Jets. He's a special teams player. Isaiah Hodgins, we talked about him. He he wasn't really even a free agent anyway. They retained him as an exclusive rights guy. Um, and they're going to have Colin Johnson back, kind of an intriguing big-bodied receiver, tore his Achilles in preseason last year. And then, of course, Wandale Robinson, their, their ideal slot guy, had that ACL tear in late November. So who knows there when he'll be ready. So if you look at this receiver room, and maybe it will include Odell Beckham, I don't think so. Uh, but he, here's the rundown of the guys they have. They have Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Paris Campbell, Jeff Smith, just to throw him in, Isaiah Hodgins, uh, Wandale Robinson, and Colin Johnson. Most notably, they have a few other guys. But what do you make of that of that room right now? You know what? Given other parts of this team, especially the offensive line, you got I I'd be willing to go forward with that if I were the Giants, and with my focus more on making sure I have more depth on the offensive line. I, you know, I, I think Slayton has proven that, you know, Hey, if he gives you his typical year, it's going to be 700 yards, right? Um, you know, if you can have Waller be a thousand yard receiver or as close to a thousand yard receiver, something they didn't have before. Um, you know, if you can get another 400, 500 yards out of Bellinger, you know, if you can have Hodgkins be the player that he was last year, and then also put in Paris Campbell as a as a deep threat, you know, um, who if he's healthy, I think there are and I think there are enough parts there. Uh, you know, I don't know what Stern. You know, the funny thing is Stern Shepard looked very good for those for that brief glimpse we saw him last year. I don't. You can't obviously count on that, and they're they're not. Uh, but you know, it looked like he still had something left in the tank. I don't know how what he looks like when he comes back. But I think there's enough. Uh, promise and potential there for this to be a a much better receiving core than it was a year ago yeah and another thing to consider and i i don't know that they would do this at this point but um deandre hopkins potentially could be traded with an altered contract um the giants obviously there's there's things like you, you mentioned beckham so beckham's on on record on his Social media is basically saying four million is not enough. Well, four million is not enough. It's he's not coming to the Giants. Correct. Uh, well, maybe so, he'll lower that eventually when he realizes teams are not going to give him a lot of money. I don't know. Right. right. Uh, and then and then it's then it becomes about how much does he want to come back to New York, and you know how much influence does Sterling Shepard have. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I I just don't see that happening. And I, I don't think the giants need it to happen. I think, like I said, I think they need to go uh, start working on this offensive line depth. Yeah. I don't think it will happen. And I don't think it should either. Um, yeah. I don't think the bill, the sounds like the bills are not trading Gabe Davis. Uh, Deandre Hopkins sounds like he will be moved uh, again. The giants would have to really mess with that contract and alter it. Um, and, and to fit him under their cap, I mean, they could they could certainly use him. I think DeAndre Hopkins would be an intriguing piece. Um, but like you said, they have other areas to address. And when it comes to you know 
the draft even, they could certainly draft a receiver high. I, I don't, I don't see, you know, I don't see why they couldn't because look at the, for all practical matters, I mean, they're only committed, they're not committed past 2023 to any of these guys. Slayton, Shepard, Nadari Slayton, Sterling Shepard, uh, Paris Campbell, Jeff Smith, Colin Johnson, or Isaiah Hodgins. There's no commitment to any of those guys past 2023. Um, obviously, Wandale Robinson, you draft him around two last year, so you're hoping, you know, you're committed to him probably past 2023, even though the jury's still out on him. And we don't know you know, when he's going to be ready. So they're probably depending at this point on Sterling Shepard playing in the slot to start the year, all things considered. But really right now the Giants have what? One, two, three, four, five. Uh, so Slayton, Shepard, Campbell, Smith, Johnson, Hodgins, and, and Wandale Robinson, seven receivers there who have like degrees of potential. And they're probably just going to have to piecemeal this thing um, in terms of, like you said, adding up all the yards in combination with Waller. And in combination with what Sterling or uh, Saquon Barkley gives you out of the backfield, maybe as a receiving threat at times, uh, that's presuming, like we said, that they don't pull off a trade for. And DeAndre Hopkins would be the big one at this point uh, in terms of in terms of a trade. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. They yeah. you can't yeah. ask yeah. though. The other thing to keep the other what's that? Got him kind of sorry. No, go ahead. You know, I was going to say the other thing to keep in mind, which you know Joe jo Shane has mentioned. You know, you got to look ahead to next year, too. And when you look ahead to next year, the free agent receiver class is superior to this one. With you have Mike Evans is coming out. Uh, he's going to be older, but he hasn't shown any signs of age yet. Um, T. Higgins is probably going to be in that class. Gabe Davis could be, you know, if they don't resign, if the Bills don't resign him, uh, he'll be in that class. And then you got Calvin Ridley. Darnell Mooney, Michael Pittman. Uh, it's it's just a superior class to this one. Uh, so if you're, you know, the things you just mentioned where they haven't tied up anybody long term here, um, you know, you, you look ahead to next year and you say, hey, you know what? Let's see. What, let's go with what we got this year, and then if we need to build around it, there's going to be a chance to do that next year. That's a terrific point. That's a really good point, and um, you know, and maybe that mitigates whether they draft someone this year. Uh, we'll see. Um, and that kind of leads into our next point that we would start bringing it up there. If, like, if you can't pass block, you know, that's going to be, that's going to significantly limit what you can do in the passing game just as much as um, crummy receivers would. Uh, and so, yeah, the Giants sitting there now with one pick in each of the first three rounds because they traded that extra third rounder for Darren Waller. They're at number 25 in the first round. What do they do there? I would not be surprised at this point if they drafted an interior offensive lineman, maybe a center, because as you uh, kind of alluded to there, it's not just that they need to to address depth on their old line. They need, first of all, they need Evan Neal and, and Mark Lewinsky to play better than they did last year. They need Andrew Thomas to keep playing really well. Uh, but they, they have to figure out who's going to be their left guard and, because Nick Gates is gone to Washington and um, who's going to be their center. And now they have Ben Bredesen and Joshua Zudu as in-house options at left guard. Okay, fair enough. They both played more snaps at left guard than Nick Gates did last season anyway, but what do they do at center? Because John Feliciano is heading to uh, the 49ers. So they have no legitimate in-house center options and no Ben Bredesen is, you know, doesn't count. He's dabbled at center, but so then that becomes like, you know, that that's probably a target. It's gotta be a target. You'd think in the draft, right? It does. Uh, you know, I don't know how they feel about Ben Bredesen moving in the center. Like, you know, if you can, if you can get a stud um, guard 
um, and, and the stud guard is out there. I can't think of the, the kid from Florida. I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, yeah, I think his name is Osiris Torrance. Osiris Torrance, that's it. Um, he, if you can get him, uh, you know, then you consider maybe moving Ben Bredesen to the center. The, the thing that keeps coming to mind, and I, and it was, I was still on the very embryonic stages of being on the beat last year, so I was still trying to learn the roster. But I just, I go back to watching, uh, and this is, be, it was before I even got hired. I go back to watching the Giants preseason games last year, and they had a. Feliciano was hurt and they had a mess going on at center during the preseason. Yep. <laughs> and I just remember watching, I was like, you know, this is job's not as easy as, uh, as it seems because they, they, they didn't have anybody that could snap the ball. I mean, you, you forget about how important just the exchange of the ball to the quarterback is. And they had, they were struggling with that part of the game in the preseason last year. So it, it's so important that they, they find somebody good and competent to, you know, Feliciano might not have been great, but he was competent at that part of it. He was durable, um, you know, dependable, good guy in the locker room. Um, you know, he was he great? No, by by no means. And can you upgrade there? Yes, but uh, it, it's not. You don't just uh, flick a switch and get somebody that can do it. It's it's really a huge part of what they need to do right now. For sure, and we talked about the draft at receiver, and I just to mention some names, you know, Quentin Johnston from TCU, Jackson Smith Jibba from, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, from Ohio State, Zay Flowers from Boston College, Jordan Addison from USC, and Josh Downs from North Carolina would be your receiver options there. In they terms of the problem. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. What's that? They seem to be the first rounders. Uh, yeah, the prominent guys, maybe someone trickles to the second round, but maybe not late to where the Giants are. But in terms of the – like you mentioned, Osiris Osiris Torrance from Florida, really good guard. PFF has him 39th overall. That's a good point. You could maybe put him at left guard and then maybe Bredesen at center. They need to find some consistency at center. Like they need Daniel Jones had four different centers through four years. John Halapio. John um, Daniel Jones had four different everything, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's so true. Halapio, Nick Gates, then Nick Gates gets hurt and they go Billy Price and then John Feliciano. Who, yes, I mean, John did a you know, really nice job in the locker room. Probably exceeded expectations. He wasn't a great player, but good enough. They they have to they have to figure out what they're gonna do there because um, you know, in terms of in terms of in terms of centers in this draft, the guys you're looking at are Luke Whippler from Ohio State, Joe Tippman from Wisconsin, and then another Big Ten guy, John Michael Schmitz from uh Minnesota. So those would be your notable center prospects if you're gonna go in that direction. Um, in terms of drafting a center, but obviously they need to get some continuity there considering how much that position has been in flux and what they're losing with the leadership uh, from Feliciano. Um, and yeah, it would be a learning curve for a new center, no doubt, but they, they, they don't have anyone right there. I mean, and so that's gotta be a concern. Like interior line has gotta be a significant concern right now for Joe Shane. It really does. Um, you know, I don't think they can afford to pay him, but the, the guy who's out there is Connor McGovern from the Jets. Good point. Um, uh, that would be an interesting change. And, and Ben Jones is an older guy from the, the Titans, but he was a for the, a pro bowler for the first time in his career. So that there's still those possibilities out there with guys like that. So, I mean, it's not completely off the chart that they could go, go free agent-wise to, to fill the hole. 
for sure, especially if those guys are willing to take a modest deal. I don't know yet if they're to that point. Ben Jones, perhaps a target for the Jets, too, uh, who will, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers probably heading there. They have to protect him. And so in terms of you alluded to their flexibility, they currently have $3.7 million in cap space, the Giants do. There's only, let's see, five teams with less than that, according to over the cap. That does not count the Jihad Ward contract. We'll get to that, but that'll be a mo- modest one. That counts all the other ones, though. Um, and so, yeah, they have to they have to allocate, figure out how they're going to allocate this uh, going forward um, in terms of the interior line. So we touched on receiver. We touched on the the line, and especially the interior line there, and obviously tight end with Dan, Darren Waller. We, you know what they did at quarterback and, and running back. I think that kind of sews up the offense, right? Did anything we missed there before we switched to defense? I think that's it. I think that's so, it. Well, we, 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 before we switch to defense, we should mention that they also re-signed their punter and their long snapper. Uh, they did. So their whole battery's back because Graham Gano's back. They're all, all three of those guys are essentially in contract years this year, even though Jamie Gillen got a two-year deal, one-year commitment. So we'll see if they're back as the as the as the group, the, the trio next year in 2024. But. Um, they are for 2023, so. Okay. Yep, definitely. And obviously, in terms of the guys they did retain, they retained Matt Breida, uh, their backup running back. Um, and, yeah, we don't need to get into that too much, but that's fine enough, I guess. Um, and But it, defensively, they needed to – all right, so, like, we'll just start, like, with the front. And so they needed to get better, like, run defense-wise, even though Dexter Lawrence had an awesome year. Leonard Williams is still a pretty darn good run blocker. We can touch on his contract in a bit, but they, they did make some interesting moves here. Maybe they bring in Ashawn Robinson as well, that he was visiting yesterday, Monday. Um, and they signed uh, Raheem Nunez Roches, who goes by Nacho, uh, which is kind of a really funny story he shared about why he goes by Nacho. Um, that involves Nacho Ball. Did you see that on the on the Giants? Uh, I, I I saw it. And I didn't get a chance to watch it's like, it. Like you know, some kind of pun about it's not your ball, not your ball. Uh, he seems like a fun guy. Um, he seems like a character. <laughs> they had they you know they had to replace Justin Ellis and 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 Nick Williams there, right? So they needed to get some depth and and try to stop the run better. Absolutely. I mean, that was the, the, the it was the great quote. From a great two-word, straight-to-the-point quote from from Joe Shane at the scouting combine, I, I asked him. I said, "Joe, how do you feel about your defensive line depth?" And he just looked at me and goes, "Not good." <laughs> so, and then he followed that up by you know basically saying, "We we need to be able to stop the run a lot better." And you know, obviously, his early moves in free agency um, pointed toward toward he, he backed up his words by trying to do that. Um, you're, you're going to pronounce Bobby O's last name for me, uh, cause I'm going to mispronounce it if I try, uh, but getting the linebacker who I think was sixth or seventh in the league in tackles last year, uh, reportedly very, uh, you know, scouting reports are that he's also very good at tight coverage situations against tight ends and, and, um, running backs. Uh, but so they got him and then they got, uh, Rakeem. Nacho uh, and, you know, and Ashawn Robinson still hanging out there. That would be a pretty significant uh, gathering of talent to try to stop the run. For sure. And you, um, and you factor in that you already had two very good run stoppers in Dexter Lawrence and, uh, and Leonard Williams. So, yeah. And I think it would be crazy to cut Leonard Williams. We'll get to his contract 
after we review the defense and we'll talk a little bit about cap space at the end. But like, yeah, this is a win now team. You need to keep Leonard Williams. He can stop the run. He's not a great pass rusher. Um, so you're looking at pro, you know, you're looking at Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, uh, Raheem Nune- Nunez, Roaches, Nacho, um, and maybe a Sean Robinson. That's a solid front. Uh, and maybe the, the Eagles don't gash them quite as much as they did uh, last year. In terms of inside linebacker, obviously that, and then Jihad Ward, as we alluded to, the outside linebacker, situational pass rusher, he's back on presumably a modest one-year deal. The cap number is not known yet, um, which is which is fine to supplement Kayvon Thibodeau and um, Aziz Ojolari there on, on the on the edge. Um, and I so, I think that's an area where they yes. could use depth help, especially from a pass rushing perspective, because, you know, and then especially when you consider how, how often Aziz Ojolari wasn't on the field last year, um, you know, the, you, you go back to, to the Eagles and the chief's ability to rush the passer. And, you know, they, they had ability to run guys in and out, which helped them so much to have that rotational depth and, you know they've kind of they're they're working on that in the interior, but I still think they needed uh, outside some better pass rushers. For sure, they blitz a ton. Wink Martindale does, and they just not. But if you look at the metrics, they're not a superb pass rushing team. They don't get home as much as they ought to, considering how often they blitz. They need people other than uh, they need people other than just Dexter Lawrence to be an effective pressure guy, and and that kind of gets into what you said there. They need they need perhaps another body there. It sounds like. Uh, I agree. Uh, and so they moving back in the defense to inside linebacker, obviously we all know what an insane revolving door that was. And, and Jared Davis, um, Gerard, I, I think it's Jared is how his first name is pronounced. Uh, obviously a low key re-signing there. We knew that they would probably attack um, inside linebacker, regardless of bringing back Jared Davis uh, and, and Darren Beaver, as we know is back, but the big, the big, outside signing for the giants and not counting the Waller trade obviously is, is, and we'll, we'll make sure you tell it's, it's so Bobby Okari. So his name used to be like the way he pronounced it for years. And there's an interesting story on the Colts website about this from 2021. Uh, his parents, parents are from Nigeria and for years it, it went uh, Okariki. Okay. You know, that's, but that's not actually how it is. It's not much different than that. It's uh Okarake, so Okarake, Okarake. So it's all yours. I'm just gonna sit yeah. back and listen. <laughs> I think you just pr- just pr- pretend like there's a U in there, an Okarake, Bobby Okarake, um, or ok- maybe Okarake if you want to just put the word rock in there. Uh, but Bobby Okarake, uh, they're the the new. Uh, I think I think Bobby O is the way to go. <laughs> yeah, he's the new the new middle linebacker. Uh, obviously hoping that they can provide some stability. The contract details finally out. It amounts to really $22 million commitment over two years, which um, much less than what the bears gave Tremaine, Tremaine Edmonds. Um, and so a smart signing, like in terms of what he brings to this defense, if you look at where he had was PFF wise, um, re- pretty good against the run last year, 12th in run defense at the, his position, 22nd in coverage the year before, not as good against the run 36 um, and he was 23rd in coverage. He was playing more uh, will, I think he said when, when we talked to him, mm-hmm. and, he, and he he moved to more middle last year. So, 
and he can call he's fast that's the bottom line they need to get faster there and he is absolutely he's fast and he's obviously a stanford grad and with if you look at his bio he's obviously a very and and just from one time speaking with him on the zoom call it's very obvious that he's also very smart so he will be in a really important addition to this defense absolutely absolutely he'll be, he'll be the signal caller he'll be he'll be a leader on the defense for sure and they hope that he can give them what Blake Martinez gave the Giants. I mean, it's easy to forget now that Blake Martinez, you know, kind of fell off after his ACL. But but really, he he was a, a, a really nice initially free agent signing for uh, Dave Gettleman uh, in um, in in his first two years with the Giants, 2020 and 2021. Well, he really he got hurt early in 2021, but he had a nice year in 2020. He rated well that year. Um and it was a free agent signing that that looked like it was going to pay off. Unfortunately, he got hurt. He kind of petered out and retired. Um, but the Giants remember what it's like in from twenty twenty to have stability at um, at that in, at inside linebacker, middle linebacker, and so uh, obviously not the same coaching staff. But they're hoping he can. Uh, Bobby Okereke can do that. Guys. <laughs> yes, that's uh, yes, that's right. But Blake Martinez is also a Stanford guy. So yes, that great point. And so. Um, yeah, I think they're hoping Okarake can bring that to their, to their, to the middle of their defense. Uh, and that should be able to presumably help them defend the run a lot better than they did last year when they were, that was a disaster area for them. Like, let's be honest. They, they were uh, a mess against the run, especially against the Eagles. And then overall, in terms of where the run defense rigged PFF had them 28th. So like, you're not going to win a lot. You're not going to, it's hard to go deep doing that. I mean, it's hard to go deep. Well, and, you know, if you can stop, if you can stop, stop the run on first down, just stop yeah. it on first down, put a team in a second and eight. It just, it changes everything in terms of pass rush, everything. And, you know, the, I, the Giants just weren't good at that last year. They got gouged way too often, especially against the better teams. You know, if you go back and look at their two games against the Cowboys, uh, obviously there are two games that they got killed by the Eagles. Uh, you know, they were the, the, I'm pretty sure the Detroit game, they were gouged in that game when they got beat up good. Uh, you know, they were, you know, and you can't win that way. You, you just can't win in the NFL that way. Now, I mean, it's not the end all be all per se, because, you know, like the Chiefs are 18th in the run defense and the Eagles are 14th and you talk PFF. But then you look at like pass rush. Obviously, uh, those teams are really good pass rush teams. The Giants again, not as efficient as they should have been. They were 20th in pass rush. So um, like you said, if they're able to get teams in longer situations on second and third down, that'll help their pass rush. They just need to be competent as a run defense. Um, yeah. And so these additions, uh, Bobby Okorake, Rakeem Nunez-Rochez will um, presumably help that. Um, so there is so there are some lingering issues still on this defense as we've moved back from D-line and the front to the inside linebacker spot now in the secondary. Okay. So there was, you know, the giants main in-house free agents coming into this whole deal were probably Nick Gates is the fifth, but then obviously, um, so Nick Gates and John Feliciano would know what happened to them. I'm not doing this in order of importance, but Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley are back. Darius Slayton resigns. And then the last domino to fall Julian love to Seattle. Um, so they lose their safety team leader, a captain, um, yeah, that that's to me. They have to figure out what they're going to do there at the safety spot next to next to Xavier McKinney. Yeah, some, there was a there was a um, a 
just a, a, from the beginning, like it was obvious that the negotiations with Julian Love weren't going good. You know, you go back to the scouting combine and when Joe Shane was asked about him, you know, he basically said, oh, we'll see what the market is for that. Two two guys got released yesterday. We'll see what the safety market is. Uh, and it was obvious that that those negotiations, were, there was a disconnect from the start. Um, and, you know, I guess there's some reports out there that the Giants offered Love more, you know, uh, show me the show me the contract offers is my response to that um that, nobody's done that for me yet um so uh but it, it's a huge loss and now the now how are they going to fill fill that spot and you know you also still got to fill the cornerback spot on the other side and maybe maybe the slot cornerback and the cornerback uh, opposite uh Dory Jackson so you, you've got a secondary that's still still has a lot of question marks going into with, I mean, there's still time here again in free agency in the draft, but you've got question marks as we sit here right now. No doubt. And they had question marks last year, largely because of attrition um, and injuries with uh, Dory Jackson and Xavier McKinney. But like in terms of the contract stuff, like people need to understand that like a lot of lying occurs during from agents and teams during stuff like this, because a guy, the total value of the contract is essentially meaningless. Let's just understand this. Like, if, if a team offered a player two years, 15 million, another team offered him two years, 12, there's a world, there's a way, a plausible way in which two years and 12 is better because it all depends on the guaranteed money. A lot of this stuff is like phony dummy money stuff. Like, can we like, let's just understand this. Like Bobby Okarake got a two year, $22 million contract from the giants, period. He did not get whatever the total value of the contract was. Okay. So like Daniel Jones got in two year, $82 million contract from the giants. Okay. So like this whole notion of, did they offer him more? Well, honestly, they probably did not in actuality offer him more because he made it very clear. He's a smart guy, Julian love that he was going to look out financially for his family. And so he's looking at, okay, what is the practical guarantee that I got? And he wound up in Seattle for, I don't know exactly what they gave him, but um, I'd have to look at that, but so he, he, he I don't think those numbers are out yet. Yeah. I mean, it's two year 12. Um, the numbers are not out. So, um, so we'll see what it winds up being, but the bottom line is they need to figure out, is it Jason Pinnock there? Is it Dane Belton who struggled as the initial replacement for McKinney and was benched in favor of Pinnock in terms of free agency? Chauncey Gardner Johnson is, is, is off the market as they say. Um, he's, he's in Detroit now. So, Speaking of a guy who, who supposedly took less money to go elsewhere, although he took $8 million and the Eagles offer, I don't think was for an AAV of $8 million. He took a one year deal. He could have perhaps gotten a second year out of the Eagles, but whatever, it's exactly what we're talking about. Um, you know, the, the, the offers don't always, what's said doesn't always match the truth. Um, Correct. So. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the devil's in the details. Um, right, right. With these so, contracts, the bottom line for the Giants is they need a safety, uh, and yeah. maybe it is Pinnock. They they did like the way Jason Pinnock played last year. I you know I I know uh, Wink Martindale liked him especially a lot as a, a blitzing safety, um, so he used him a lot in in, in that way. Um, it, you know, certainly the NFL is filled with guys like Jason Pinnock who, you know very under the radar guys who come into the league, prove themselves and become very good players. So, I mean, it, it, it's possible. And, and it's all, it's also a league of, you know, Dean Belton did, had a rough rookie season. 
but it's also a league where guys come back their second season and for whatever reason, something happened that allows them to be better players. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. And Julian, maybe- Julian loves probably a good example of that. It, it wasn't until last year that he really became an every down player, you know, and played a lot. So got a chance because they cut Logan Ryan. And so, um, yeah, maybe they could address safety in the draft, but again, they only have one pick in each of the first three rounds right now. And maybe they trade right. back and they can pick up another, but um, their draft capital is not, they can't address all these positions in the draft. So at some point, the, you know, when they can't spend at every position of free agency, at some point they're going to need to turn to an in-house option at one of these whole spots that have a hole and, um, and try to fill it that way. And so, and you got to remember too, Xavier McKinney, and if he can play better than he did last year and avoid doing foolish things like riding an ATV, he can, um, he's setting himself up because he was a second round pick. This is a contract year for him um, that he will probably get uh, decent money uh, next year. So they're going to invest at that position um, next year. So that will be a mitigating factor maybe. And as you move, I think we'll just real quick on slot corner, they drafted Cordell Flott, uh, who has versatility, but it's probably more of a slot guy. Darnay Holmes has been okay, not great. He's entering a contract year. Um, and so w- what do they do at slot corner? You know, that, that that's more of, I think, maybe you can roll with Darnay Holmes or Flott for a year there and then figure it out. Um, but it's not like you have a lockdown guy there. No, you don't. And, you know, you, you, you've got uh, McLeod in there. So maybe you, you, you take all those guys and you say, hey, compete for we got three guys for two jobs. So good uh, point. And and right now, yeah, they're looking at a situation where they just don't they straight up don't have a, a number two corner right now to play. So they have not invested in that position to play opposite of Dory Jackson, who's entering the final year of his contract. And uh, so Nick McLeod would be an in-house option there. Flot, maybe. Aaron Robinson's another one who's coming yep. back from it. So he was going to be their guy last year. There, but wound up playing two games. Had brutal injury luck, um, but you know had that knee injury early enough that he should be able to come back. Um, but uh, in, in, you know, early, you know, he'll be should be ready for week one. You'd think. Uh, so yes, yeah, so the number two cornerback spot uh, remains a question mark. Uh, along with the safety spot there. Uh, so a lot to sort out in a secondary that went through a lot of change last year and looks like maybe that's going to be the case again uh, this year. Absolutely. And we know how important the secondary is for an NFL team. We we talk, we spent a lot of time talking about stopping the run, but if you don't stop the pass, you're in real trouble. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, um, you know, that kind of covered – they lost – like we said, they, we covered all the guys they lost and the, and the guys they they brought in and and, and brought back. Um, I don't think in terms of the cornerbacks, but I don't think Fabian Moreau is back. They have some other guys who are still lingering out there as in-house guys, but um, lower-profile guys who it seems like they're, they're probably ready to move on there and go with the younger guys like, you know, McLeod or Flott, certainly at the outside cornerback spot. Um, yeah, and, you're talking mostly about veteran guys now. Yeah, that, like Tony Jefferson is probably, you know, not coming back, I wouldn't think. No. O'Shane um, is, is probably not coming back. Right, uh, yes. Jalen Smith, Smith isn't, um, you know. Landon so Collins, um, you know, no. certainly not Justin Ellis or Nick Williams. I, yeah. Richie James is an interesting one. Because like, they do need a returner. They uh, do. Uh, he would be the he, one guy, I think, maybe. Yeah. 
yeah, I think so too, because he, he played, I mean, you know, they brought him in to be a punt returner, but he became a lot more of a receiver than, than they needed, than they thought he would be, I'm sure. And, you know, he, he did a good job in that regard for, for most of the season, given how way beyond expectations, put it that way. For sure. And it, I think it would be okay to just bring him back as a punt returner and let him focus on that. Now that they have better options, probably a, a receiver and he has the ability to be like a backup slot or, you know, maybe the number two slot early in the year. If you um, go with Sterling Shepard there with Wandale Robinson still recovering from his ACL tear again, that happened in late November. So uh, we'll see on the timeline of, of his return uh, from that. But in terms of like, yeah, you kind of touched on it. There are some interesting guys out there in free agency um, still, especially center, right? Like Connor McGovern, Ben Jones. So can Joe Shane spend still like real quick, we'll just touch on where they're at cap wise. They're at 3.7 million um, only five teams below them. According to over the cap, we'll see what the Jihad ward contract does in terms of a dent into that. It won't be a big contract, um, but everything else is on their books right now. How can they create more cap space? We know they did it with Darren Waller. They reworked his deal, freed up 7.8, and basically took some of his salary, converted it to a signing bonus, um, lowered his cap hit for this year, and essentially committed to him through 2024. It was previously just a one-year commitment. But again, when you trade a third-round pick for a guy, you're gonna you're saying he's going to be on your team for more than a year. Um, so the, the next thing they could do, the, the obvious things are – Give uh, Saquon, Saquon Barkley's contract extension or give him a new contract, right? That'll lower his cap number, which is the franchise tag at 10 million-ish. Dexter Lawrence on the fifth-year option at 12 right now, you could he deserves a new contract, right? That would lower his cap number and you're going to commit to him anyway. So those would be a couple obvious moves, I think. Um, yep. They did the Waller one. Um the the other two that I think you could look at and a little more tricky is Adoree Jackson and Leonard Williams. And the cap number for Leonard Williams is huge. It's 32. Jackson's 19. They both have a void year in 2024, which gives you a little wiggle room uh, in terms of moving stuff around. So the big one being Leonard Williams. Like what what do they do there? Like could, at what point do you go to Leonard Williams and say, uh, take a pay cut? Um, ha, ha, like. I have some feelings on how tricky that could be. What do you think about that? Well, you know, you, you basically say, Leonard, we were a playoff team last year. We're trying to go beyond that. You know, we're a playoff team that won one playoff game last year, but we really weren't a Super Bowl contender. Uh, you play to his team. How much of a team guy is he? You know, to me, that's how you play. I don't know if it works or not, because obviously these guys know they're in the business and, um, you know, it, it, but if, if, if it can help like $3 million, um, you know, and you're Leonard Williams and these guys do want to win. And these guys, you know, one of the goals of being in this league is trying to win a Super Bowl. If you can help that, uh, without taking too big a financial hit, um, maybe you can play to that, but, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough, that's a tough assignment for Joe Shane right there. And he knows it. He jokes about it all the time because, uh, you know, Leonard Williams on the last day of the season misspoke about, um, you know, I, what was the exact quote um, that he said about taking a pay cut? Yeah. Or, well, he, he was asked, would he, would you be willing to take one? And I think it was a pretty direct question, but like, you know, he just gave the polite response. Right. Like, right. yeah, that's something I consider like, 
Right. That's probably right. the best way to diffuse and deflect that question. It's not like he's saying like, yes, please give me a pay cut. <laughs> right. It's, it, it's obviously hasn't considered it yet. No. <laughs> so, uh, you know, do, do you cut him? I, I like think that would said, be crazy. The straight he's, up cut. he's too good a player uh, to cut. Now, he, he, it, this does become a question like, okay, A'shaun, if you, you, you sign an A'shaun Robinson, um, and, you know, A'shaun Robinson has been a starter in this league, as has uh, Rakeem, uh, I was, as, as has Nacho. <laughs> I hate saying three names. So they, they, both, they were both starters last year. So at some point you say, hey, you know what? We can get away with having one of these guys be our starter and the other one being our top reserve. Uh, and we feel good enough about our younger guys. Um, so what So what becomes the, the cap savings at that point? $12 million? Right. Um, so if they cut Leonard Williams before June 1st, it's $12 million in cap savings with about $20 million in dead money. If they it, happen it, to do it. You know, so say you want, I don't know, pick a position, pick center. All right, that you want to get better there. Um, that is a way to say, hey, you know what, Leonard? We, we feel really good about our depth at the, the defensive tackle spot now. Uh, you know, we, we want to keep you, but if we can't, um, we're going to, you know, we're, we're just going to take the dead money hit, save the $12 million and use that money to go get ourselves a center or whatever, or another position. It, it, it's a consideration to look at. I mean, you know, he, he had a good good season last year, but not a great one. Yep, and it was always been better against the run. And for the first time in his career, he was also hurt. Yep, and has had a neck issue, which is a little bit of a concerning thing. The first, you know, uh, always been really good against the run. Um, not an elite pass rusher, except for maybe the one year when he one year in the contract. If they make it a post June one cut, they free up eighteen million in dead money initially because or in cap savings initially because they can spread the dead money out over the final two years of the contract. So uh, again, cause he has the void year in 2024 to me uh, you don't cut him. I just don't see, it doesn't make sense. Um, he's, he's too good of a run defender for a team that needs to defend the run better. This is a win now team. Right, you know, but would not- you rather have a, a uh, we'll, we'll use Connor McGovern as the, would you rather have him as your center and a Sean Robinson and Nacho as your defensive tackles with Leonard Williams gone, or would you rather have Leonard Williams and and whoever's, you know, Ben Bredesen as your center? Which would I you rather you have? Can, you can do it both, and I think here's how it, it would work. Uh, Leonard Williams has an $18 million salary for this year, right? So if they – here's how it could work. They could wait this out, you know. And, and now the issue being like Ben Jones or uh, Connor McGovern might, might sign, right? So – uh, again, I think you can draft a center. Um, they need like a long-term solution there. But in terms of the Leonard Williams pay cut, you can keep him on a pay cut by basically waiting this out, waiting until after free agency when all the spots are kind of filled up and come to him and say, okay, your salary is $18 million. You're not getting $18 million elsewhere. If they want to slash it to like 10, he could probably get 10 somewhere else, uh, total money because, you know, he'd get a couple of years to spread over 10. Uh, but he's not getting 18 anywhere else. now. If you go to him over like three or four million bucks, could you say, okay, we're going to lower it to 15 or 14? Then what does he do? Because then is he going to get 15 or 14 somewhere else? Probably not. There's a needle to be thread here between what he could get somewhere else realistically. If you you keep waiting him out, wait it out, wait it out, wait it out. Uh, Right. 
Now you're saving three or four million. Uh, again, it, the the flip side of this here is if you wait them out, then the guys who you would be using that money on might be signed, right? So, right. but um, you can always roll cap space over, and um, you know they need cap room to operate during the season, so they're pinched right now. Um, and so I think that that's where you can thread the needle and and have him you can strong arm him into like a modest pay cut and tell him, look, you're not making 18 elsewhere. Uh, we're going to lower you to 14, which you also would not make it. It just becomes like, if you lower him to a number that he's going to make elsewhere, then he could tell you to go pound sand. Now, right. the other thing is he wants to win. Uh, he is uh, getting up there. You know, I mean, Leonard Wynn can believe young, but he is uh, going to be in June, 29 years old. Uh, this will be what year nine for him. Wow. And he's made $94 million through it through eight seasons with an 18 million more coming this year. If you're him and you've presumably saved, all right. And say, okay, look, I'm going to be up to 112 after this year. If I make $18 million or I can just take 5 million off that. What is that a big deal? Um, I, I think he would be perhaps open to that. Um, now you're not going to get him to lower his salary to like six million bucks, but you can right. chip away at it a little bit um, right. if you wait it out. Right. Yeah. But no. You, that waiting all to cost you. It all sounds yeah. logical to me. It's got to sound logical to Leonard Williams and his agent. <laughs> For sure. Um, you know, the other possibility is if they like if they really like him, and if Joe, Joe Shane and I don't know if this would be the right move, is you could take some of his base salary, convert it into a signing bonus and basically stretch yourself a little bit more where, where currently right now, um, you know, you, you'd be looking at there because of the void year, they have a dead money hit coming in 2024. So no matter what, five, nine, $5.9 million, the cap's going to go up. Um, if you take some of the base and convert it to a signing bonus to lower the cap hit in 2023, what that does is make it harder to cut him next year, next year. but 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 what's the difference between you know a 5.9 million dollar dead money and maybe a 10 million dollar dead money when the cap is going to go up so much it's all relative to the cap so there's a way where he could get his money still and the cap number goes down um that could be somewhat palatable but there's a lot of a lot of issues if i just i just don't think cutting him makes sense because Again, what's more important, having a good run stopper on the field? And, and again, the center situation complicates it. But clearly they weren't going to re-sign John Feliciano anyway, right? Well, I think they they had a low, low, low number that they were willing yeah. to sign him out. But, um, but that was that was the only they you know, they wanted to, but they weren't going to expand beyond the number they had him on. So, And, um, and this pinch cap situation is why, you know, it would be really hard for them to do something like trade for DeAndre Hopkins at this point. They've invested, you know, the, the Waller trade really, uh, uh, you know, if you look at cap hits, right, for this year, what they've committed to people, uh, Waller, even after the even after the restructure, uh, has a pretty significant cap hit. Uh, it's actually $4 million, which isn't that, that high. But um, they've committed five to Bobby Okereke, and so... There, that starts to chip away. When you didn't have much to begin with, that chips away. I do think if they can get a Dexter Lawrence deal done, that could really help. But the problem, with, you know, the thing with Dexter Lawrence is like he wants to see how the rest of these deals go. I would think, right? Don't if you're Dexter Lawrence, wouldn't you want to see what Quentin Williams gets paid first? 
Absolutely. You want to go as high as you can. You know, you're not going to Aaron Donald number, but you want to go as high as you can, obviously. And a lot of dominoes are still to fall, like a defensive tackle. Um, I know Deron Payne got paid, but he's not the same player as Dexter Lawrence. Like a lot of these guys are up this year. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's the player that says, no, I'll wait. (laughs) Uh, I'll wait to see. I know you'd like me to sign right now, but you know, what would Dexter Lawrence get on the free agent market next year? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Be be a big number. Or they franchise tag him. And um, I think, you know, try to get a deal done if you can. He's a foundational player. He's an awesome player. They need to get a deal done with him. The, I, it should be the, the as we sit here now. That should be at the top. Uh, the, the number one, the number one order of business for Joe Shane right now is trying to get Dexter Lawrence wrapped up beyond this year. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't think that the pain contract, when you look at the details of it, should really impact them too much. But there are right. other guys like so, Dexter Lawrence, Quinn and Williams. Uh, uh, Let's see. So who's up? Um, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, Christian Wilkins, Chris Jones. Those guys are up. And so uh, all of that's worth considering. The On the other side of it, though, is Saquon Barkley. Uh, so, yeah, they can they can lower his cap number with an extension. But, man, he has no leverage now. It's all gone. He's He had the misfortune of being a running back. He's the, the, the interesting guy who's out there right now. Uh, trying to wants to be traded is Austin Eckler from the from the Chargers, you know, saying he's underpaid. And I think he's at like six million dollars for the year in the last year of his rookie contract. Um, you know, it's it's a problem in the league that running backs uh, and I and I saw someone suggest they should change the rookie the rookie scale for running backs since they you know they they obviously um, have the shortest lifespan. You can get them later on, you know, there's so many things working against them. And um, I remember talking to somebody about this, you know, it's not the teams don't value having a good running back, but they just know that they can work the system in their favor. Um, It's an interesting, I kind of like the idea of saying, if you're the NFLPA saying, Hey, you know what, let's do something about how, you know, people like Saquon not getting uh, probably their fair market value because of the, because of the system. Let's let's change the rookie pay scale for uh, running backs. You probably probably be a non-starter for owners, but something should be done. And to to your point, no Saquon has no uh, no marketing uh, power, no no negotiating power whatsoever right now. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, like the market, the running back market has cratered. Uh, he got tagged, which took away any leverage he had. He really should take what he can get now. Um, like, is he even, would they even be willing to give him 10 million guaranteed with it? I mean, even with the tag now, he might be, uh, overpaid. And, and so if you're him, do you just play it out and see, um, given his health history, that would be a risk. I mean, his only, of, his only leverage is not to sign the tag. <laughs> right. And cause it pinches so, them and it, you know, if he wants to, I could understand, uh, well, yeah. Or, or just to tell him like, I'm going to play. Yeah. Right. If he doesn't sign the tag, he could skip mandatory mini camp. He could skip training camp. He could make it ugly. Eventually he's going to have to sign that tag and uh, play on the tag and approve it year. And maybe he does go out and prove it again. But in terms of the rookie scale you were referring to, I, I presume that was about the fifth year option money for running backs. Um, yeah. So, something, I, you know, I don't know. 
yeah, because like, more to do yeah, with it. but all of it's slotted on draft slots, so it doesn't. It, but right now, you know, if you look at the 2020 first round picks, um, and what a uh, what a running back would get, like just take for example, um, Clyde Edwards Alaric, who was a first round pick, he was the only running back pick in the first round in 2020. Uh, the fifth year option number for him, just based on like, um, it's anywhere from about five and a half to six million dollars, based on you know the basic option versus playing time, and then it can go up if a guy has made Pro Bowls. But uh, that's pretty low. I mean, well, Saquon Barkley's fifth year option last year was what? I, it was not. Um, it was very. Let me let me look him up on on Spotrack here. But again, that's I think that's the point. That, that they're getting at is like these guys are getting really pinched on on the option year and so um and even the t- so right last year he, he made 7.2 million dollars on the fifth year option and this year he's scheduled to make 10 on the tag uh and that's having made a pro bowl last year on that option uh, because he did earlier in his career so yeah it's not a lot um I don't know how they determine those numbers. Uh, I think it's based on average salary values and stuff, but like obviously teams look at the running back position a lot, <laughs> you know, it's right. not valued, especially when you have a guy who's been hurt. So um, right. how do you see well, it? Uh, we usually kind of wrap this up with a prediction. How, the, the, so do you, let's look ahead and we don't have to predict what they're going to do at every spot, but just in terms of the Dexter Lawrence and Saquon Barkley, situations how do you see that unfolding in the coming weeks and months i think uh, you know and we could be go into the summer with this uh but i think they will by the time they get to training camp they will both have have deals uh of of some sort um you know that dexter lawrence will they, they will find a way to extend him beyond this season and lower his cap number and they will do this, do the same with Saquon. I'm looking, I'm thinking, you know, if they were offering him three to 12.5, which probably wasn't that high when you talked about the real numbers, but maybe he gets a second year out of them uh, and lowers his cap number. Some, I think, I think they'll both get done. Cause I think, I think both sides want something done. And that, that always helps when you got two people, when you got people willing to negotiate with each other, uh, it always helps, and I think that is the case here. Yeah, I think for for different reasons here, they need they need to get it done with Dexter Lawrence. Um, they they need to get him locked up. Uh, he's going to make big money regardless. They just obviously they know that. With Saquon Barkley, on the other hand, I think he needs to take what take the money when he can get it now. Um, yeah, and I agree. Yeah. The, the the one guy who was willing to sit it out was Le'Veon Bell, and that did not work out well for him after he. Did it did that. not. Um, and I suppose he could play on the tag for 10 million bucks and try again next year. And they're not going to tag him next year. Obviously he, he would, I would think not tag him. So he could have the ability to hit true free agency, but I don't know. I think you take the money if you're Saquon Barkley um, and you just go with it. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate for him that he's never really going to ever hit true free agency in the prime of his career because of the fifth year option and because of the franchise tag, which is why a guy is really better off being a second round pick than a first round pick. Uh, like Nick Chubb, for instance, and so who's performed better than Barkley, as we've mentioned many times, and who the Giants should have drafted. Uh, anyway, but um, so yeah, I think that they both get done. I think I agree that this they'll probably drag on to the summer, but ultimately that's where they're at. Um, and that kind of covers everything. And the next thing up for us uh, 
is this weekend, uh, Sunday through really Wednesday-ish, Tuesday, we'll be at the NFL owners meetings, or I guess the NFL annual meeting, it's technically called, out in Phoenix, Scottsdale area. Um, so John Mayer, I presume, will be talking at that, Joe Shane, and definitely Brian Dable. Uh, likely all three will be speaking, so there will be some news coming out of that, or at least some comments on free agency and all that stuff. Um, and then after that, you know, with the calendar quickly turning to, uh, to April, wow. You know, and then the draft, uh, but, but yeah, so what, what, like, uh, before we wrap up your biggest question for the giants brass, any of those three coming up this week, what's, what's the biggest question you want answered that that is answerable, I guess, not, (laughs) not something like, uh, that they're not going to actually answer. Oh, yeah. I always think it's just so important. How you, what's your offensive line going to look like? <laughs> how are you going to, how are you going to make that work? Oh, and, and I'm sure the answer is going to be, we got time. Um, but to me, that that's just, just vital. Uh, you got, you know, you, you, you got Dane Jones some weapons. So how, now you need to have some guys protect him. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, that's probably going to be for Joe Shane. Honestly, like, Brian Dable doesn't say much. Joe Shane actually sneakily, he does, like you alluded to earlier. He can be candid at times. He can be pretty good and say what he's really thinking. Uh, obviously, John Mayer is a little bit, you know, like he lets the guys make their decisions and he'll make his comments. But uh, I would say for Joe Shane, my question would be on the other side of the ball, like how concerned are you about this secondary with the fact that uh, you now have uh, pretty significant holes there at the uh, one safety spot and outside corner? Do you feel good enough about, the likes of Jason Pinnock and uh, Dane Belton and Nick McLeod to roll with those guys. Um, so we'll be, it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say about that. Um, and so, yeah, we'll appreciate everybody joining us and we will, I don't know when we'll do another one of these probably not next week. Uh, you know, at some point we'll have a lot of coverage, obviously off the uh, owners meetings. Um, but certainly by the middle of April, we'll have another one of these leading into the draft. And so in the meantime, Please uh, subscribe, like, rate, review on all your podcasting platforms. We really appreciate everybody listening and um, have a great rest of your week as the weather gets a little warmer here, at least in New Jersey. And uh, be sure to check uh, our stuff on nj.com slash giants as we will have uh, plenty of dispatches uh, from out there in Arizona coming up uh, starting really Sunday. So have a great week. Take care, everyone. And thank you for listening.